Greetings and welcome to today's podcast. This is Dr. Rosakis. It is my great privilege and pleasure to introduce to you Dr. Brian Baki. Dr. Baki and I have been working together for over five years. And what I most enjoy about Dr. Baki, in addition to his intellect, is the fact that he is a PhD. He is a PhD not only in biochemistry, but also organic chemistry. And that's really valuable for me as a medical doctor because Back in the day, we did take biochemistry in medical school, but we forgot most of it. And in today's world, you really need to have access to hardcore science, genetics, biochemistry, to understand what causes disease and how to treat disease. As an extra bonus, uh, Dr. Baki uh, took it upon himself to add to his wonderful resume um, a master's degree at Columbia Medical College. And he did that in nutrition with a focus on macular degeneration. So we have a literally a domain expert in macular degeneration. And what I want to do with Dr. Baki today is review the studies that were done with regard to certain vitamins and macular degeneration to help you understand what those studies really mean. So, Dr. Baki, uh, can you hear me? How, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you for the introduction. And um, it's uh, it's interesting. In the introduction, you, you mentioned biochemistry or organic chemistry. It's a, it's a hybrid of the two was my uh, course of study. It's bioorganic chemistry. So it is a, a perfect blend of, of both biochemistry and, and traditional organic chemistry. Organic chemistry was tough. That was my toughest yeah. course in, in college. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, did my, I did engineering, but go ahead. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting that you mentioned that because uh, I, I ended up doing a lot of tutoring on the side as a graduate student uh, uh, in in the wee hours of the uh, of the evening prior to test, and most of my clients were were pre med students. So, um, yeah, a lot of your colleagues shared uh, uh, that position on on organic chemistry. <laughs> they were very happy to have it have it over with. For sure, for sure. So let's talk about this very interesting study. The study on macular degeneration by the National Eye Institute. Um, do you want to sort of give us a an overview about the various groups in the study, uh, without going into way too much detail? But let's just give the audience an understanding of what they attempted to do. Yeah. So the the ARES one study was completed in the early 2000s, and it was comprised of approximately 3,600 individuals who had um, developed uh, an early form of AMD, and uh, what they wanted to, to look at in the study was uh, whether or not different nutrients um, and antioxidants impacted the outcome of macular degeneration. And we know from uh, large-scale studies, epidemiological studies, that diet and nutrition has a profound impact not only on macular degeneration, but a number of other diseases. And there are specific nutrients that are important to the eye, and that's what the researchers wanted to look at. What impact did uh, supplementing with various nutrients have on macular degeneration outcomes? So they tracked these 3,600 people over five years. They looked at uh, zinc supplementation, antioxidant supplementation, and zinc combined with antioxidant supplementation, and compared that to a placebo group. Um, okay, so, and so, so your point is that they, they looked at zinc and they looked at a number of antioxidants. Let's go with the zinc for a second. Um, it, it's been said that the amount of zinc that was used was was rather high. Uh, what, were your, what are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, the, the actual dose that they evaluated was 80 milligrams, and um, the Bailey uh, uh, recommended uh, a quantity of zinc intake. It, it depends on the population that you're talking about in the age range, but is is somewhere between 10 and 15 milligrams. So you're talking about a significant excess above and beyond the recommended daily allowance and levels of zinc that are typically found in the diet. Well, zinc is really yeah, zinc is really important to eye chemistry. So as is the approach in many of these uh, uh, nutritional studies, uh, when they're looking at single nutrients or combination of nutrients, they often use a pharmacological dose, so a dose that's considerably higher than what you typically be exposed to in a... a I see. So your point is that they they chose a higher dose just to see if more is is better, I guess. Yeah. Um, Yes. It's within certain safety parameters, right? I mean, it's not an unlimited dose. Uh, right. You can use not limitless, but they they worked in the upper end of the uh, of the safe dose range. Gotcha. Okay. And then now, from the standpoint of antioxidants, um, it is known that smoking, which is a cause of oxidative stress, is bad for macular degeneration. So the choice of giving people a few antioxidants uh, it did make some sense. Is that a valid statement? Yeah, and I think generally speaking, you have. Um, pigments that are found in high concentrations in the eye, and those pigments are found uh, from dietary sources of, of nutrients, specifically uh, carotenoids, which beta-carotene was the uh, one of the antioxidants that was evaluated. Um, and then they also looked at uh, uh, vitamin E and vitamin C. So it was a comprehensive ap- approach to uh, traditional antioxidants that are found in, in, um, in typical diets where someone might be consuming sufficient levels of nuts and, and uh, fruits and vegetables. Well, you know, when you're setting up a study, you know, and you're giving people something like zinc, uh, did they did they try to document whether the patients that they studied, those 3,600, that they had low zinc levels in their bodies to start out with? Yeah, I think one of the criticisms of the study actually is that um, the population that was evaluated was not nutrient deficient. Oh, and so... What we see in, in these uh, population studies where you evaluate the effect of nutrient supplementation is that the magnitude of the effect tends to diminish with the, the greater level of nutrient intake found in the diet. And, and so this is not a nutrient-deficient population. We would have expected that if it would have been a nutrient-deficient population, you might have seen the, the effect uh, from the supplementation increase, perhaps. Uh, and, and that's one of... And for the, for the for the audience's interest, you know, what we're, you know, when you do a study, there can be critiques of the study, and we're we're gent, we're gently critiquing the study. You know, they didn't look at the initial zinc levels. Many of these people may not have been zinc deficient in the first place, so that's one of the weaknesses of the study. Uh, you can also argue that the antioxidants they used um, were, were not the most uh, aggressive and powerful. And and we're going to talk more about that in future podcasts as to how you would really attack the problem of oxidative stress. But at least they did something, right? They had 3,600 people. They they they, they they gave them antioxidants in one group, zinc in another group, and another group got antioxidants and zinc, and one group got nothing. They just got placebo, I believe. Is that yeah. right? Just, just to add a bit of clarity, too, that typically in these types of studies, they qualitatively assess zinc intake. So they did not do uh, a blood draw to assess blood levels of zinc. They assess zinc uh, based on on the um, 
dietary reporting of the participants in the study. So it was a qualitative assessment of zinc intake. Okay, gotcha. All right. So, uh, so I'm going to put myself in a position, uh, a patient um, with macular degeneration. So I have, let's just say, macular degeneration, maybe a little bit, a moderate amount, or a more severe amount. Um, my first question to you uh, is, did anybody see an improvement in vision? Did anybody gain vision in the study? No. 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 Okay. All right. That's not, that's unfortunate. Uh, what about this question? You know, these people who all had dry macular degeneration, because that's what we're talking about, um, a lot of or a significant number of people with dry disease become wet macular degeneration patients. And when you become wet, that requires injections into the eye on a monthly or twice uh, or bi-monthly basis. So as a patient, if I were a patient, I'd say, hey, uh, if I take these vitamins, am I going to see a, a decrease in my conversion to the wet form of the disease? You had, you had very, so the, the main outcome, uh, that was assessed in the study was that you were able to slow the progression in a very small percentage of the population, not stop it altogether. So eventually the answer is yes, you would have progressed. Okay, so basically, uh, this is not going to reduce my risk of developing wet disease. Correct. It, it was a uh, reduction in, uh, in the progression, uh, the rate of progression. Okay. So I'm not I'm not getting more vision. I'm getting a reduction in the speed of losing vision. That's what the study basically uh, was telling us. All right. Correct. Um, did, Obviously, did, if, so the concept is if you can prolong uh, the amount of time uh, to to vision loss, then you're you're giving some additional benefit. Obviously, the the end result of of the progression of this disease is blindness. And if we can slow that progression, as the idea goes, then you're you're able to prolong the amount of time that people retain their sight. Did the study say anything about prevention? If if I don't have macular degeneration and I take these vitamins, am I going to prevent macular degeneration? Yeah, they actually they they looked at that effect as well, and um, there and in other studies. So this has been assessed not only in the AREDS one and AREDS two studies, which were the, the really the um, this very significant studies around dietary supplementation and macular and cataract risk, by the way. Um, it, in, in prior studies, uh, they found that there was no association between lowering the risk of acquiring AMD and taking dietary supplements, uh, these specific dietary supplements. What they did find is that um, the, the greatest risk mitigation strategy were lifestyle and dietary choices, so food consumption patterns, play a tremendous role. So you mentioned smoking. That is the uh, single largest uh, uh, modifiable risk factor associated with macular degeneration. Diet is another very significant modifiable risk factor. So the traditional Western diet that many uh, Americans in particular are accustomed to is associated with uh, not only macular risk, but also many other uh, age-related diseases. Uh, and the Mediterranean diet, which has been studied extensively across diseases, is associated with a reduction in risk, specifically fish consumption, leafy green vegetables, and bright colored vegetable consumption. Okay, this favorite. is really interesting to me. So they did a study, and they they ignored nutrition, basically, right? They didn't put them on the Mediterranean diet to try to add. They just simply said, hey, take these antioxidants, take some high-dose zinc, and, and let's uh, spend $5 million and see what we get. 
Um, and it turned out that it didn't prevent the disease, these vitamins alone. Interesting. It's a very weak – it doesn't strike me as a very uh, comprehensive study. But anyway, let's go on to what did they find. What, what, what's, what's, what's the, what's, what are they telling me? They're claiming I, I get a 25% reduction. Is this right? If I take these vitamins, I'm going to get a 25% reduction in the likelihood of my disease progressing. Um, is, is that what they're telling us in terms of why I should yes. take these vitamins? Yes, with, with zinc and antioxidants. And what's important to note is that's a relative risk reduction. So that's only when they compared the experimental group to the control group, the, the placebo group, if you will. Um, and in the second study, the placebo group was actually taking the first AREDS supplement. So there, there was some confounding that existed. And furthermore, if you looked at the results uh, as such, you would assume, the average person might assume, that I'm lowering my risk by 25% by taking zinc plus antioxidants. And that's actually not true either. When you talk about absolute risk versus relative risk, the absolute risk is, is actually quite a bit lower than that. And what that means is that uh, if you were to, the average person off the street who did not participate in the study, uh, if you were to supplement with these uh, particular vitamins that they, they studied, uh, that you would, that only one out of 17 people with macular degeneration would actually benefit from vitamin wow. supplementation. Wow, the audience needs to really, really grasp this concept because, uh, you know, there's that, what's that expression? Lies, damn lies, and statistics. Um, so there's something called relative risk. The relative risk is, means what? It means that in the study, in those people, uh, a number came out which was a 25% reduction in the chance of losing vision. However, if you take that study and apply it to the United States of America, to people out there and the like, their question is going to be, okay, you guys did a study. That's great. You have you found this 25% reduction in risk. But what does that mean to me? What does that mean to the universe at large? And, the, and you just said that there's something called absolute risk. And when they do the analysis, which is what these professionals do, to take the study and apply it to the average person, you're saying that the reduction in risk is only 1 in 17. Only 1 in 17 people are going to benefit from um, taking these vitamins. It's not 25%. It just, you know, that number, 25%, only applies to the people that took the study. And this is something that happens a lot in, in science today where um, when you see statistics given, the statistics um, are, are a bit misleading. Okay, if I said to you, take this drug – and I'm going to give you a 50% reduction in heart disease. You'd say, wow, I'll take that drug, 50% reduction. That's fantastic. However, in reality, when they did a study like that, um, two people out of 100 would get heart disease. And then when they did the study, one person out of 100 got heart disease. So they said, oh, wow, going from two to one, that's a 50% reduction. But that's misleading because if you're going to reduce the risk from two in 100 people to one in 100 people, that's a trivial amount of risk reduction. So you don't get the full story when you look at statistics. And I think it's ex extremely important for the audience to realize that um, this 
reporting of data is very uh, overly optimistic. It is not a 25% reduction in your chance of losing vision. It's actually a 1 in 17 chance of reduction in losing vision. And, and that is why you and I are here, because we feel that this study is is marginal, uh, of, of marginal value at best. I'm going to make one more point after that. I'm going to stop there. Did I say it right, Brian? Because you, you've got the background in, in, in statistics and, and you're a PhD. Yes. Yeah, I, yes, very, you, you stated it very well, and that was a great example. Yeah, exactly. You know, a 50% reduction in heart disease if I take a drug, and it's only actually 2 in 100 over 1 in 100. I've seen that done in, uh, in studies on breast cancer and many other places. Um, so, you know, lies, damn lies, and statistics. You know, but there is some sil a silver lining here that actually relates to a, a story. Um, I, I was uh, at a meeting, and I shared a cab with a retina specialist, and as a kind of a, an acquaintance of mine. And we were talking about the study. This was many, many years ago. And he said to me, he said to me, he said, we did that study to disprove the value of vitamins. I looked at him in shock. I said, excuse me? He goes, yeah, you know, all this vitamin talk. My God, you know, what's the use of vitamins? You know, we, we just did that study to disprove the value of vitamins. And I noted what he said. It kept it, left it in the back of my mind, you know, for years, actually. But now it all comes together because the study is weak. It's a weak study. You know, you know, too much zinc, um, you know, a few antioxidants. But, but the fascinating piece of uh, realization here is that it actually did help. It did some help. God forbid this study failed to show any value for the eye. Because if it failed to show any value to the eye, then everyone in the country would be saying, oh, those vitamins, they don't work. Vitamins are no good. They don't do a thing. Well, we did a study, and the vitamins didn't do a darn thing. Thank God the study at least helped or could help one in 17 people. And um, so I think, well, thank God the antioxidants showed some improvement that they could quantify. Otherwise, it would have killed the use of vitamins. Do you agree with that, Brian? Yeah, I, I, I do, and I think again the the real value in and the key learnings that need to be taken away from this is that from a prevention standpoint, uh, dietary intervention, lifestyle modification, and targeted supplementation where indicated is really where the greatest value can be achieved. And of course, you you factor into that uh, in lifestyle, uh, exercise, and smoking cessation, and then you can also go a step further. And we know that macular degeneration affects uh, primarily people over the age of 55. Uh, your risk increases with age. Um, and, and we know there are other factors uh, that are involved in that process, namely namely hormones. But that's for another day. And, and I think the, the true value uh, proposition that we present is that we're going to look at uh, the individual comprehensively, uh, understanding that, that dietary carotenoids and zinc are certainly uh, important to um, the risk of, of macular degeneration, but there are many other factors too beyond the study that need to be taken into account. Exactly, and, and, I and, and we have an analogy for that. It's the, the four flat tire analogy. So what we have here is a car with four flat tires, and in this case, they went in and they fixed one of the tires. They gave some antioxidants, maybe they gave a little bit of zinc, and it did help the car drive a little bit better, 
but that car still can't get on the highway because it's got three other flat tires. <laughs> what, what we're all about is, as you said, identifying all the different causes uh, that uh, are known to cause macular degeneration, and you, you listed uh, nutrition as one of those repeatedly, and um, and fixing all, fixing everything. And the reason we're here talking to the universe of patients out there with macular degeneration is because we've seen incredible results that are backed by great science, and we think we can do a lot more than 1 in 17 for the macular degeneration population. So as you indicated in our next few podcasts, we're going to start explaining to people why we can do more, how we can do more, and, uh, and, and, and in the end achieve far better results than a 1 in 17 um, a slowdown of progression in patients. Fair enough? Well stated. Great. I hope our audience picked up on this. I hope that in summary, what we tried to explain today is that there's something called relative risk, which in this study's case was 25% reduction, but when you apply it to the rest of the world, it's really 1 in 17. The study was inadequate, but thank God it showed some improvement um, because uh, otherwise um, it would have killed um, any belief that, that vitamins could have any value. But there's a tremendous amount more we can do, and this will be continued on in future podcasts. Thank you, Brian. Thank you very much. You have a great day today, man. Thank you, Thanks, Dr. everybody. Dr. Yep. And to everybody who listened, thank you so much for, for sticking with us. Have a great day. Okay.